Please be seated. As I said before, our message text comes from Psalm 80, starting with verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. I really want you to experience this psalm today. Not just hear it and, and be taught by it, but encounter it for yourself this morning. This call to, to God to stir up your might to come and save us. This idea of stirring up for me is, is very, very vivid. I see, I see vinegar mixed with baking soda, that violent reaction that happens when the two are stirred together, or, or Coke that's, that's dropped into a two-liter, uh, or excuse me, Mentos that are dropped into a two-liter of Coke, and it just explodes violently. This type of stirring up reaction. It's not a, a lukewarm kind of event. It's dramatic. It's visible. It's palpable. When I hear of stir up, I, 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 hear, I feel that, that feeling that you get in your chest or maybe it's in your gut that just churns and, and is overwhelming. And that stirring up can be negative. Like when, when your anger is stirred up, you see something that really angers you and it, it boils the anger over and spills out. And it can be positive. When that feeling in your gut just moves you to do something important, to do something intentional, where you just can't not do it. The psalmist today asked God to stir up his strength. I have no idea what on earth that would look like. When, when God really stirs up his might, he stirs up his strength. I see things like creation. God stirred up his strength and might when he spoke and things just simply became. God stirred up his anger against Sodom and Gomorrah and it rained hellfire and brimstone and sulfur. When God stirs up his might at redemption on the cross, when he bursts out of the empty tomb, this is God stirring up. And the psalmist today asks that same violent reaction, that, that palpable feeling, that churning in your gut, God, let your might be stirred up in us to come and save us. And save us from what? Well, it's interesting what the psalmist says. There's this anger that God is expressing. God's anger has been stirred up against the people's prayers. This is talking about the, the people's prayers, not the individual prayers, but the, the people's prayers as a whole. When they gather together for worship, when they speak their prayers corporately, all together, God is angry towards them. You see, their, their worship had become ritualistic. More religion than relationship. Just going through the motions. Right? And, and, and the solution then is, is maybe the first person to say, well, if, if the rituals and the, and the repetition and the religion is the problem, let's get rid of that and focus just on the relationship. But we can't do that. And I'll tell you why. I've been in far too many hospital rooms or far too many deathbeds when the, the person is just not alert, not 
cognizant of what's going on around them. And they'll start speaking the words of the Lord's Prayer. And their mouth starts moving along with me. That there's something important about those rituals that you, you go back to your training. Right? You're only as good as your level of training that when trauma and crisis strikes, you fall back to that level of training. But at the same time, there is the danger that it gets to be just so rote, just so mechanical, just so automatic that you go on cruise control like driving on your way home. You don't even remember the turns you took to get there. You just know you got home. Sometimes that's how we are with our liturgy. And we get through it all and we're like, great, check the God box, check the church box. God's happy with me. I went through the motions. I nailed it perfectly. Now I can go home. God's happy with me. This is a perennial problem of people in churches all across the world just going through the motions, checking the church box so that we can get on to more important things. My dad was sharing with me uh, several months ago, maybe it was a year ago, that uh, he, he loves to pray when he goes out to eat with his friends. And uh, he goes out and he's, he always volunteers, can I, can I pray for, for our meal? And he's got a bit of a reputation that he doesn't do the common table prayer, right? He doesn't just go, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, Lord Jesus, amen. All right, let's get to the, the, the meal, right? And that is of great aggravation to some of his friends. And so one time, even one of his friends said, well, Ken, that's my dad's name. He said, Ken, would you, you, you can pray, but can you not do the long version? And you need to understand, my dad's not a long-winded kind of guy, but he just puts intentionality into his prayers that when he folds his hands and he bows his head and he closes his eyes and he knows he starts talking, he's talking to the God Most High. He's not just checking a box. He is praying and communicating with the Creator of the world, with the Savior of his soul. And so, yeah, he takes a little bit of time to be intentional and connect with his prayer. Because it's not just about did I pray before I ate, but did I thank the God who put the food on my table? You see, the, their sin of Israel was this ritualistic worship, which just burned in God this anger. And so the psalmist is saying, God, how long will your anger last? How long? What a great Advent question, right? Kids who are excited for Christmas to open presents. How long do I have to wait to open those presents? People who long for the kingdom of God to return in its fullness. Lord, how long do we have to wait through all of this mess? How long until you return? I think there's an element too in this psalmist as he's, he's recognizing the might and majesty of God, the anger of God. He recognizes that there is something to fearing God. Right, that we are to fear, love, and trust in God. Sometimes when we, we have so much saturation of the gospel, which is an amazing, amazing thing, but when we're so saturated with it, sometimes we become complacent, we take it for granted, we forget that God is not only just our friend, but he is a righteous, powerful, consuming God who is jealous. We forget how big he is. How great he is. 
think it's a valid question that I want all of us to ask ourselves today. When we pray, do we flippantly pray and just, just thoughtlessly pray and forget who we're talking to? And, and I have to admit, sometimes I do. When I'm really hungry, I want to get on to the next thing. Take time today. Before you eat lunch, just take time today and remember who you're praying to. You can say the common table prayer. I, I have no problem with that. But just think about the words that are coming out of your mouth. Think about the ears that those words are going into. Then there's this, this picture that the psalmist moves from this anger of God. He moves to this concept of so many tears. Verse 5 says, you've fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. This, this word in Hebrew, in full measure, is, is, a, is a unit of measurement. It's not just like all the measurement. It's like a unit of measurement. It's about the equivalent of a quart. A quart of tears. This is like beyond ugly crying. This is miserable, pouring, streaming down your face tears. Drinking tears, it sounds disgusting, like the equivalent of drinking seawater. Right? There's water present, but it is disgusting. It is not healthy. It is not good for you. It is like this cup of suffering. But God, my suffering is full. I can't take this anymore. I've had enough grief or sickness or death or mourning or crying or cancer or COVID or whatever the case may be. I am full. I can't take anymore. You get to the point of saying, I'm done. You've given this, Lord. How much longer? When will the tears end? And if we fast forward into the New Testament, to the very end of the New Testament, we've got the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, and the Holy Spirit takes him up into spirit and gives them this image of the kingdom of God in its fullness. And John notices right away that there is no more mourning or crying or pain. The tears have all been wiped away. And Jesus has made everything new. But until that moment, even in this present day, we can take comfort in knowing that even the tears that we shed today will be used as blessings. That even the difficulties and struggles and the trials and the difficulties that overwhelm us, that cause our suffering to be in full, even those difficulties will be used by God to bless us. And his uncanny ability to use even the horrible things of this world to bring about the blessings that the enemy, the devil, meant for evil, but God uses for his good. And then this picture just gets continually worse. And he talks about, the psalmist talks about the laughing of the enemies. In Israel's context, this was their constant condition. This is their almost entire existence. They are surrounded by enemies who continually reviled them and mocked them, overcome them, pulled them out into captivity. They were often in this captivity drawn into false worship of other idols of the different countries that they had been drawn into. And Israel was guilty of mixing their worship with God with the worship of the nations around them. And in his anger, God used these neighboring warring enemies of Israel to turn Israel back to face him, to see him. We too turn to other sources of happiness to try to mix in to our worship, right? 
We imagine that we can trust in God and in worldly success and in financial stability and in liquid courage or drunken stupor and escape. And as a result, God's anger seeks to turn us back to him. And the laughter of our enemies is salt in our wounds. It's one thing to be beaten and be full of wounds, and it's something else to see somebody mock you in that condition, to kick you when you're down, to cry out to God, when will you vindicate me? And this humble repentance is what God uses to turn us back to him and what he uses to turn back from his anger to face us with love and compassion and grace. And this cup of suffering thing, that's exactly what Jesus experienced and encountered in our place, right? You can remember back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is on his knees praying to the Father, if there is any other way for this plan of salvation thing to work out, please. But not my will, but yours be done. I will drink this cup of tears. I will drink this cup of suffering, and I will drink it in full. I won't leave a drop left because I want all of our people, Father, to know your love and grace. That they don't have to drink a cup of suffering, a cup of tears, but they get to drink a cup of my suffering, my own body and blood, broken and shed. It's not a cup of suffering, but a cup of grace, of renewal, of restoration. And that's the next picture that the psalmist moves us into is this, this restoration, that God brings restoration to us, restoration of salvation, of worth, of value, of purpose, that everything that we've lost from the fall and everything that's been stolen from us from our own sin and the sins of those around us, God restores. I think in my own mind, I've had a wrong understanding of restoration because I think of restoration, I think of restoring something that's broken and busted back to its former beauty and glory. But God wants to do so much more than just that. Right? He doesn't want to just restore us to our fallen condition of humanity. He wants to restore us how humanity was before the fall. And I can't even imagine or fathom what that looks like because right now, all of us are subhuman. We are not who we are meant to be. That when he restores us, when he, he, he resurrects us into new, perfect, holy bodies, fully human bodies, we will know what it means to be human without limitation of sin, fully human. You know, the whole restoration idea is something that, that really appeals to me. I love a comeback story. I love a rags to riches or, or broken to whole. I love those kinds of stories. And, and I would love someday to do that with a car, right? That's a bucket list for me. And everybody kind of has, or not everybody, I guess, some people have lots of ideas of like what their perfect car would be. Like the car that I personally would like to restore, some of you know I'm a Mustang guy. And if you're a Mustang guy, you know Steve McQueen. And if you know Steve McQueen, you know his 1967 Mustang GT500. Green. Amazing. And I would love to take an old busted 67 Mustang Fastback GT500 and restore it, but not just to its former glory, right? I want to drop in like a race-inspired engine into that. I want a tuned suspension system. I want new brakes. I want fantastic wheels and tires. I want, I want to upgrade the whole shooting max. I want it to be better than it's ever been in its entire life, and that is exactly what God wants for each and every one of you. 
not just to restore you to some previous version of yourself, but take you far and beyond what you ever dreamed that you could be. The you that will be with God in eternity and the kingdom of God forever, I personally can't wait to see. I can't wait to see who you are supposed to be. And when you're in the presence of that kind of God, when you are in the presence of that kind of God as we are today, and the last thing on earth that we could do is just give him a go-through-the-motions kind of worship experience. And we're supposed to let God just, in, in, his, in his anger, to turn us back to him, to, to, to break our hearts open. God, where I'm proud, make me humble. Where I'm wrong, show me where I need to be right. Where I'm broken, bring me healing. Lord, I, I, I love you. I long for you just to worship today. And the rest of the songs that, that we have, just belt it out. Man, if you can't sing, I don't care. Sing. Dads, if you want to know why the greatest reasons why, why young people leave the church, it's because their dads don't sing in church. Now, some of us might want to leave when you sing. <laughs> but it won't be me. And it certainly won't be God. Belt it out. If you can't carry a tune, apologize to the person next to you and then keep on going. Sing. When you pray, don't just pray the words. Several weeks back when we did the Lord's Prayer, I expounded on the prayer. I want you to think about that every time you hear the Lord's Prayer. To not just go through the motions. That when you come through, this is not, this is not a, a two-lane Chick-fil-A drive-through. This is the Savior of the world who's presenting himself at his table so that you don't have to, you, you don't have to drink this cup of tears garbage anymore. But to drink his cup of love. And it's my prayer that, that God stirs up his grace and mercy here on this altar today, that he would stir up in you this desire to worship him like you've never worshiped him before. As you get ready, not just for Christmas that's coming, but because he came for Christmas, we can know for certain that he's coming back again. That you approach this Christmas as, yeah, this is a great, great historical event, God, and I'm so glad it happened, but I can't wait for the part of the story that's not been written yet. For the time when you come home, to take me to be with you in home, to make me the person that you've always desired me to be. Let's praise our God today. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. As we walk through this psalm, God, we, we can see in our own lives that the places where we've just checked the boxes, gone through the motions. God, we pray that you would stir up your grace today you would stir up our hearts that we would be filled with passion to follow you to encounter this end of this advent service and celebrate your birth but long for your return we pray this all in jesus powerful holy and living name amen